Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, today we're in part three of The Time Is Now, and if you missed the past two weeks, let me quickly give you a small snapshot uh, of where we've been. Uh, We've talked about what happened back in in 587 BC when the Babylonians under the the, the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Judah and and crushing the temple down that Solomon built. I mean, it was an amazing Solomon. uh, Solomon built this huge temple that was amazing. It was a physical and spiritual blow to God's people and they were devastated and they didn't know what to do. And the next thing you know, uh, it wasn't just like one or two or three or four decades but it was five decades later uh, in captivity that they were released and, and they were allowed to go back and begin to start to rebuild this huge, amazing temple. And so uh, it can, you can imagine the excitement. You can imagine the excitement that, that they had after 50 years of held, being held in captivity, of not being around that thing that they loved and they cherished, right? And something that was more like an icon for them. They were allowed to go back, and you can almost imagine like that, that moment for most kids this past week going back to school. It's sort of the same thing, right? Not really, but it, it, was, it was an amazing moment, and then they, they flopped. They flopped on that. They, they, they really didn't devote themselves to it. They didn't jump in with everything they had and go after it. If you remember in week one, they started strong. They built the foundation. They built the altar, and then when the Samaritans opposed them, they gave up. They just quit. Uh, and it, it, we, we can't do this. We can't, we can't, we, we can't. We, you know that word, right? We can't. You've heard it at least. I know you have. And they, they give up. And that's why we have the book that we're leaning into for this study. Uh, it's because that God raised up the prophet Haggai, or Haggai, depends on where you're from, and said the time is now. The time is now to build my temple And so they started again, and they began incredibly discouraged, but through many, many more years, they finished the process. And I think one of the underlying stories, though, for the whole picture in this book, which will apply to everyone who wants to follow God, if you look at their attitudes, you can find out that many of them really battle the same battle that many of us face, or at least feel when we think we're trying to do what God asked us to do, things just ain't going well. It's, it's, it's sort of, and in some aspect, of this picture. It's going well, in my opinion. It's obedience here, and, and there's a masterpiece here. If the person continues to draw on it, is inspired by God, but if she gives up, some people are like, what, well, is it finished? Is it not? I know, some abstract art, some days are just like, you know, it is what it is, but is it done? And then she's got some more work to do on it. But it's a masterpiece if she continues to be obedient to God. The same thing would happen here. And that's why Haggai raised himself. God raised him and said, listen, the time is now. You need to encourage. And we're trying to do what you told us to do, God. But we're not making any progress. We don't feel that way anyways. We're trying to obey you, God, but yet our life is still not working out very well. Anybody? You can almost feel the cries of their hearts. God, we're obeying you, and yet, where are you right now? In the midst of my marriage falling apart, in the midst of my kids not listening, my, it's just stressful. Where are the results? Is it really worth it to serve, to serve and obey God? And this is the question I believe that 
people then were asking. And I, if, I'm, if I'm honest and transparent, I, I believe that maybe you have asked, God, is this the way? God, is, is this the path for me? Is, is, is this the right choice? God, I'm trying to do life your way. And I went to church today, but that did not fix anything. When I have the chance to talk to people and you hear their stories, one person who had literally a lifetime of drugs, alcohol, drinking problems, and, and sexual addictions, and, and so many more things in their life, he decided one day he would come and check out the loft. And, and I was like, man, that's awesome. Come, come this Sunday, 1045, we'll, we'll meet. And, and, I, and I was there for him, and we, we got to sit down and just enjoyed the worship. And, and so that next week, I saw him back in my, my, my office. If you don't know what that is, you'll figure it out. Um, but the next week, we had some conversation, and, and, and he flat out said he liked it. He, he felt something, but he felt over the last two week, two days, it, it just didn't work for him. And I said, what? He said, well, nothing changed in my life. And so everything was still the same of the old situations and old lifestyles and old patterns. And he said, I came one time and my family still despises me. I'm still broke. And I cut him off and said, wait a minute, time out. I pushed back hard. I said, you tried it one time out of 36 years of living a lifestyle full of lies, of deceit, of disobedience. You tried it one time and you're ready to quit and to give up. You said you felt something, but you're pushing back. For as long as you've been alive, you disregarded God in your, in your whole life. You think you're, he's going to fix that in one hour? And he said, well, that's what I thought God does. And I said, man, we got some work to do. We have some discipleship to do. I believe, honestly, I want you to hear this correctly, God will come in and sweep your heart. He will purify it, but you got to lean in first. You can't just show up. You got to give it all. You got to give him your heart. And so I truly believe even as Christians or Christ followers, this is what a lot of times people think. I tried a prayer. I, I did the devotional on my U version. The circle group, so I, I was part of a group, but I'm just not getting nothing out of it. How much did you put into it? Besides eating the food and showing up. I served this Sunday. I did something good. I went to church and it's not working, God. I don't like it anymore. It's, it's, it's infringing upon my time. Is it even worth being obedient to God? This was the kind of context that we're dealing with in Haggai today. The Jewish people were trying to build the, the temple, and it, was, it, was going, it wasn't going their way. At least they thought they would, it would go. And, and they're wondering, is it even worth it? Is it even worth it to obey God in this area of my life today? And so I'll pause right there and just ask that question to you. Is it even worth it to obey God in this area of my life today? I know there's people that walk through those doors this morning already feeling like, you know, it's just showing up. My question is, is why did you show up? Is it out of obedience or is it out of ritual? Is it out of routine? You know, we might be a church that sucks less for a little bit. 
but I don't want it just to be the church that sucks us. I want to be an obedient church with radical arms of love that changes lives. If you just show up, then you're missing so much. And eventually you're going to get fed up and you're going to be out the door because you're going to feel used, tired, and everything else just like the people here in Haggai did. They were done. This brings about the challenge that I want to talk about today. And it's a challenge that they battled with. And the truth is, chances are you've battled as well. If you're taking notes, let's just, let's just talk this way for a second. If you're taking notes, here it is. Conditional obedience to God. Conditional obedience to God. You know, conditional obedience to God would be like, I'm saying as long as, as you're delivering God, I'll, I'll, I'll do this, Right? God, I'll obey you as long as it doesn't cost me too much or anything. God, I'll do what you want me to do as long as I see the results immediately. At least, or maybe I'll see the results that I want to see. But if it makes me uncomfortable, if it makes it inconvenient, or you're not doing what I think you should do, God, I'm out. You see, that's conditional obedience. And I'll obey as long as it doesn't make me uncomfortable or I'll see the results that I want to see. For me, I know there are times when I was supposed to walk across the room to ask for forgiveness or give something away or just pause and pray with those around me, but I didn't. And whether it's pride or not trusting or just pure out spiritual laziness, I can't tell you, all I know is I don't, I don't know the things that, that could have been. Or, or, or I know that God's prompted me to go do this with this person, and I don't know what could have happened. I wonder sometimes when I think about the things that how, how did God want to use that moment in that person's life? What a blessing did I miss out on by just being disobedient? You see, conditional obedience is the same as disobedience. You see, Sarah, my wife, calls it selective listening. Um, anybody got that one? Yeah, we got some hand raisers. Um, men, we, we, we do have that uh, disorder, and it is a part of our lives, but uh, it, it's a part of it, right? But I would say it this way. Our kids... You know, we got four of them. They definitely have it. And, and I don't know if, if you have kids, but, but kids like this, let's just, we'll, we'll pick on mine for a minute. But they hear what they want to hear, don't they? Any, anybody? I mean, come on. Am I the only one? Yes. Okay. So it's like, hey, kids, come over here and help us set the table. Take out the trash, clean up over here. Let's just get this one chore done before we go to bed, or you can play Fortnite or whatever else you got going on, right? You know, it's one of those moments where you're just talking really fast like an auctioneer. You know, we're trying to get them to move. It's like herding cattle, uh, or like, in my opinion, cats. You know, it doesn't work. And so, but most of the time, there is no response. You know why? They didn't hear it. It's selective listening. They didn't hear a thing. However, we could say this phrase underneath our breath very quietly, stuck in the corner like this, and we could say it so soft, and it's like, uh, hey, kids, we're going to Orange Leaf Ice Cream right now. They are lining up at the front door with the clothes on, the shoes on, ready to go. I'm like, yes, Mom, Dad, I'm good, I'm good. I did this, this, this. You know, it's amazing what happens. And they come running from every corner of the house, and we find extra kids in the house we didn't even have. It's nuts. Like, where did this kid come from? I don't know. Cross the street, show up, all right, let's go eat, all right. 
It's just amazing. What, what was that? It's selective listening, all right? It's, it's I'm hearing what I want to hear. I'll obey the commands that I want to hear. Have you done that with God today? This week? Anybody? You see, we laugh. Yeah, that's right. It's ridiculous. We laugh. But here's what I know. We can, we can like this verse, and this is my wife's favorite verse, by the way. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know? The plans in your heart. The plans to prosperly bless you, uh, not to harm us, to give us hope in the future. And many of us love that verse and, and, and God for that verse. But when it involves us to do something more or different or challenging or a step of faith, uh-uh, I'm out, God. But it just said plans to prosper you. Maybe it's to sell something that is completely in your closet that you do not need anymore, but you get rid of it. But you're holding on to it just because it means something to you. Maybe it's stepping across the room just to say, I'm sorry, but your pride holds you back so much you just can't, but you're missing out on the plans to what? Prosper you, to challenge you, to change you. And you don't know what's going to change around you neither because of that. You see, what about the plans to forgive my enemies? And you're like, wait a minute, you don't know my enemies. I, I'm not forgiving my enemies. I, ha- I hate my enemies. I-, I-, I pray this over them. And it's not very nice, right? Well, what about to-, to give that portion of money away, right? Wait a minute, God, this is my money. I earned it. I worked almost 75 hours this week. You don't, you don't understand. I need this money. Besides, Uncle Sam got their portion. Now this is <laughs> leftover's mine, <laughs> right? What about... What about this one? This one's going to sting just a little bit, but what about intimacy before marriage? Like, God, you, this, is, this is my girl. This is, this is your gift to me. Why, why can't I? Why can't I love her this way? You see, I'm not going to do that because I like my plans better, God. It's selective listening. We, we do it often, but then we'll post about it on Facebook like we're doing it all the time. We're social media up. We're you version it up. We're doing all this stuff, but man, we're not following what the Bible says. It's selective listening, and it breaks the heart of God. See, I'll obey as long as I'm comfortable. It's conditional obedience, but we need to understand, and this text is going, going to, to really, really seriously in a moment get our attention. And it's this, God does not give us options to consider, but commands to follow. If you're taking notes. God does not give us options to consider, but commands to obey. If you have your Bible, let's look at Haggai 12 too before we we start pushing forward real quickly. And I'll talk about this for a minute, but it's the corruptive power of sin. And this is what Haggai does. If you remember earlier, God's people turned away from God and, and they worshiped idols and their hearts were not with God. They put their own houses ahead of God's house. And God tells Haggai the prophet to ask the priest some questions. Now, let me just say that these questions sound a little confusing at first, but I'm going to do my best to put these questions into a language we can understand them, hopefully, for application. Haggai 12.2, Haggai asked the priest, if one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in your robes, sounds like some of my kids, they're hiding food, you know, go to bed, and his robe happens to brush against some bread or stew, wine or olive oil or any other kind of food will also become holy. All right, so context. Just so you know, the priests, when they were going to the sacrifice, uh, they would always wear their robes, their ceremony robes. They would 
take holy or sanctified meat and they would take the robes and fold it in like a pocket to keep the meat. And what Haggai is asking, if your robe, which is now kind of like touching something holy, brushes up against something that is unholy, does the holiness rub off on the unholiness and the unholiness become holy? Now, what does the priest say? The priest replied, no. In other words, the holiness does not rub off. Think of it this way. If, if I clean my hands and, and my hands now are clean, I wash them. And, and I, I wash them. I'm from Parable 2. And so I, I, I touch a dirty plate full of what? Spaghetti. It doesn't matter. It's just junk. And do my hands make the dirty plate clean? No. The dirty plate might make my clean hands what? Now dirty. Especially if you live in my household. But this is what he is saying, and this is what he's illustrating, this principle in this verse, in verse 13. It says, then Haggai asked, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And the priest answers, yes. What is he doing? He's basically showing that sin is like a disease. Sin spreads easier than holiness. It's the corrupted power of sin. Paul said it in this way in the New Testament. He said, bad company corrupts good character. He didn't say good company cleanses bad character. He said that there's the corrupted power of sin. You could say it that sin is like spaghetti sauce. It stains everything that it touches, doesn't it? Right? And my, my daughter and I were in, in the house and in the cabinet, and all of a sudden she... I have a picture of this, and I was going to show it, but I couldn't find the picture. It's on my other cell phone. But anyways, she opens the cabinet, and guess what falls out? The big jar of spaghetti. Now, when it falls and hits the tile floor, guess what it does? It's like a mine going off. And it just hit every wall, ceiling, everything. And I just looked at her, and she's standing like this, eyes wide open. And I said, just close it. We're moving. We're moving. We're going to, you know. I, I didn't see it. You didn't see it. Well, let's let mom find it. We're, we're good. You know, we're, we're going to have to burn the house down. There's no way this is going to get cleaned up today. Not going to happen, right? Anybody been there? All right, so just, it's just me again. Welcome to my household family. Um, we're just kind of messy some days. But sin is the same way. Once you open the door to it, it explodes and goes everywhere. It goes everywhere. So Haggai responded in verse 14. This is how... It is with the people. And this nation says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Let me say it this way. This is so challenging because they turned away because their hearts are going after idols and not after me. Because of, of that, God says everything that they do and everything that they offer is defiled in their sin. You see, if I could just summarize this whole context of where we're at this morning. When your heart isn't right with God, everything you do will be wrong. Everything you touch will be incomplete. It's off-centered. And I know we have hit on this, but who has said this? God, I will obey you as long as this is, is working out for me. I'll obey you as long as it doesn't cost me too much or isn't inconvenient to me. I can't express to you enough that this is completely a dead wrong approach to God. We need to understand that we do not obey God so that he will bless us. 
We obey God because we love him. It's all about the heart. And with saying that, I'm going to invite my friend Rhonda up here. She is one of our Kidsville, or she is our Kidsville pastor. And she's one of my dear friends. And she said she wasn't going to sit on a stool, so I'm going to stand with her. But it's here if we want to, sit. But she's been in the journey with us since the day one on the tailgate. And um, it's been a journey of obedience. People don't always know what that means when you say that. Okay, we didn't make out on the tailgate. But um, there was a moment when we was out having a campfire with a lot of students, and it was called Lincoln County Changers. And we just started praying together and asking God, okay, what if? And the next thing, what if, became a full-blown sentence of being obedient to God. That sound better? Thank you, yes. And so, this is my friend Rhonda. That time on the tailgate. Yeah, that time on the tailgate. But this is my friend Rhonda in obedience and a matter of the heart. And she's got some things she wants to share, especially about Kidsville, but also just about where she is and her, her journey with being involved here in this ministry. So, share away. Okay. Well, good morning, everybody. Um... The kids were a little bit scared to come in here and sing. They didn't know if they were performing or what they're doing, even though we've been planning with them. But they just, a lot of them have never seen what goes on up in here. And we do have worship every week downstairs. We have snack and worship and a lesson and different activities and things we do with them. And so um, I've been leading the Kidsville for, I guess, four, four years, maybe about four years now. That was not my role when this started. Um, I started out in first impressions when we were over at the school setting everything up because I'm a morning person. Unloading the truck at 7 a.m. was on that. and um, But things just changed, and the door opened for me to kind of take over the Kidsville ministry, and that's just what was supposed to happen. And so lots of times it's not necessarily, we're not even looking for things, and that we're just that's where we're supposed to be. So he makes that happen whether or not you even always want it to. That's how that works. And when you really surrender and, and want to be obedient to him in all the areas, all the areas. And so um, it's been a journey, and there's a lot of sacrifice that goes with that. And so one of my life verse is Romans twelve eleven: Never be lacking in zeal, but with spiritual fervor serve the Lord. And when you look at fervor, it's passion. And so um, a lot of people, like I'm kind of like, uh, I have a lot of energy. And so it doesn't match my metabolism, but the energy, like people are like, I wish I had some of your energy. And I'm like, I want to say it's my zeal. You know, I mean, it's just like we're, we're called, when we give our life to Christ, we're called to be the hands and feet and go forth and make disciples, which are all verbs of action. And so that obedience isn't always easy. You know, this... This morning alone, um, I might have started out the morning fussing at him about something behind the scenes. Um, I had a bunch of snacks in the car for Kidsville that I went and got at Walmart this morning. I had to get them up here. We're on the third floor. I needed a buggy. Somebody from something had left all kinds of stuff in all the buggies. So I have a bad back. I had to empty all the buggies. So I'm sending him pictures of all the full buggies. It's not always easy. And so then, like, one of the volunteers has strep throat and is texting me. You know, there's just, there's obstacles and challenges. And it gets real frustrating. It's not convenient. It's not easy. And it's not always even fun, but it's worth it. And so, you know, it's probably been about 17 years now, even before Centerpoint was even thought about, that I've been working with young people. I worked for 12 years in youth ministry at my other church. And, um... My hope 
and pouring into young people is that they will know who they are. So it was perfect to sing, I'm a child of God today, to know who they are and whose they are. Like if a lot of us had known that earlier on, there's so many things that we could have just handled differently or, or maybe even avoided if we knew who we are as a child of God and whose we are. Because, you know, I see a lot of kids that deal with a lot of stress and a lot of broken homes and just a lot of things. And, and the people in their life are going to disappoint them. The, the people in their life are going to disappoint us. Like, they're not going to fulfill us. Your, your mate, your parents, they're not going to meet. Like, God will meet all the needs. And he's there for us when everybody else fails us because we're all human. We do disappoint each other and we fail each other. And so... Um, with Kidsville, serving is just an honor, and it's part of, you know, my passion. And um, the church I was at last week, the pastor gave this visual, and I thought, oh, I like that. So I'm going to copy that from him, but I'm going to add to it. Um, how many of you all like sweet tea? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Ice cold sweet tea. Okay, so I want you to picture this. All right, so brew your, your pot of sweet tea. You got your ice and your sugar and everything in your pitcher. You pour that sweet tea and you mix it all up and you've got this nice big pitcher of sweet tea, okay? What's the goal is to empty the pitcher, okay? So three things can happen with this pitcher when you fill it up. Either one, it's just going to sit there for a long time and get all stanky, okay? Got a bunch of stanky tea. Or it's like gets a hole in the pitcher and just drains out. It just drains out and it's still empty at the end of the week, but you didn't, you didn't enjoy it. You didn't get to have any of it. Or you drink it and you share a glass with a friend, okay? So lots of times when people say, you know, why do you go to church or why do you do it there? Well, I, I, it's to fill me up. I just get filled up and then I'm ready for my week. Okay, well, that, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying, why are you filling up? Look, what, 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 what are you doing with your tea? You know, you're filling it up and either you're, it's just sitting there and getting all stanky and nothing's happening with it. Or people in life are draining you and sucking your tea out. Like you're, you're not, you're there, you're letting them do that. They're just siphoning all your tea. You don't get any of it and you're not enjoying it. Or you're, you're taking, um, you know, you're asking teen out to lunch because she had a hard first week of school. And you're sharing a glass of tea with her. Or you're, um, you know, checking on a friend that's got something going on. You're sharing a glass of tea with them. That's how you're emptying your pitcher. We're pouring into others. Then, and everybody has different ways that they fill theirs back up. You know, I'm never in here. I'm in Kidsville every week. And lots of times people are like, well, how, how do you do that? Like, how do you get filled up? If you've ever planned a children's lesson to share with them, you have to study, you have to pray over that, you picture the kids, like that can fill you up. There's all kinds of different ways we get filled up. It's not just in here, but it is in here for some people, and that's great, but I don't think we're supposed to be in here all the time. There's different things we need to do to serve. Now, let me clarify. That's different for everybody. You know, maybe um, if I can see you and I know your name, I use you as examples. I just, I don't know, okay. So, Maybe Colin wants to help out, but he really doesn't know about, you know, leading a lesson or doing anything. But he slips in here once a week and vacuums the second floor and gets all the snacks off the carpet. My love language is acts of service. So Colin would be my new best friend, okay? Paulette Kilby, I tell her all the time she's my favorite Kilby because she understands my love language and she does all these things for me behind the scenes and then just tells me they're done. 
Oh, it's just, it just gets to me, gets to me all my feels. And so there's lots of behind the scenes things that just, if, you know, as we prepare for this next step in this journey of Love Built This, there are things that are in front of people and there are things that are behind the scenes and everything matters and everything helps. And um, if you bring somebody along with you to serve, you know, like Rosanna and I did some stuff the other day, got to know each other a little better. It's behind the scenes stuff nobody else cares about except the coffee people. But like, you know, just organize some things because it, we just get busy here. And, um, but it was a time for us to get to know each other and we shared a cup of tea. It's nice day, nice tea with you, Rosanna. So there's lots of ways that we can do that, and it's not always convenient. I didn't want to come here that day and do that, but gosh, it was great when it was over. And um, investing in kids over the years, I never did it to for the thank yous or the praise or for anything, because that's not what it's called to be the hands and feet. You're doing it because it's obedient, and it's it's what we're supposed to do. It's not. For, for our glory, it's to give him glory and to be his hands and feet. And, but God knew I needed this last night. So um, okay. a young man that I invested in, he's probably almost 30 now, I would say. I met him when he was in fourth grade. He came from a pretty rough home life. Um, my sister was his teacher. And um, there were just little things that we did for him along the journey and um, he just sent me this message out of nowhere last night. I haven't talked to him in many years. He's married, has a kid of his own, just appreciating the things that my sister and I did for him to help him throughout his childhood without going into We knew what things were like at home. He had an alcoholic parent, and there was just a lot of things that went on, and um, how that helped him overcome a lot of different things in life and see that he could, you know, do things differently and you know we brought him to church and just all kinds of different things took him to football camp you know because he didn't have rides to everything a lot but he wanted to be involved and um again it wasn't for that but that stuff comes back sometimes and it's just like <laughs> so um to see God's glory in that and through that I'm hoping to be able to have more spiritual conversations with him now as an adult and continue that relationship in different ways because you never know what God's going to do with it it's not our job to know what's next that's really hard. I like control. But at this point, it's just, no offense, David, having blind faith to trust that he, okay, that he um, has, he's, he doesn't give us the whole big picture because we can't handle it. Like, we can't handle all of what's getting ready to happen with this move and with this community. I, I mean, I think he gives him glimpses and he has to slowly give it to us a little bit because um, it's a little overwhelming. But... What's coming is just, it, it, it takes a village. Everybody together. And so whether it's um, helping clean up around here or helping in Kidsville or helping us set up or just saying, or maybe you just don't know what you want to do, but you want to try different things and see what you like and see where your gifts fit. That's okay. But, but if, if, you're, if you're, it's thinking about what your tea's doing this week, okay? So y'all going to think about that when you're drinking some tea. So I'd love for you to just share a glass with different people this week, okay? So that's what I've done. No, you don't get to leave. And so what I would say, though, is if you don't brew the tea first, you're not being obedient, especially when he gives us commands how to make the tea. And so we don't want to guilt you guys, right, into serving. And if you don't like kids, don't volunteer with kids. Yeah. If you don't like teenagers, don't talk to Jeff. Unless you want to clean up behind the scenes. Ooh, we're all over that. But what we do want you to do, 
what we do want you to do is to consider, consider changing what you care about. Because a lot of things, just like the book of Haggai says, they, they cared about one thing and it really wasn't the important thing. And, and as we dive into this and we start to understand why, and we go back to that idea of where and what, it, it really boils down to your heart. And so this morning, as, as we close out, as we get ready to, to, to close out with this song, the king of my heart, the question mark for us is, is he the king of your heart? Or are these just empty words that you're singing? And so I'll challenge you with that. We have a value here. It says, I will honor Christ and his church with obedience in everything. It doesn't say some things. It says in everything. You see, if we live with obedience, nothing else matters. If we don't live with obedience, nothing else matters. We will live with, with radical obedience that reflects Jesus Christ and everything who is our Lord and Savior. But that means he's got to be the center of our hearts. And so just even a couple years ago when we were sitting on a tailgate, we knew that we could have probably continued that relationship and, and just continued with enjoying youth ministry and student ministry because that was comfortable to us. Matter of fact, we are not narcissistic when we say that, but we were good at it. Mm-hmm. We were really good. And we were a really strong team together in that county. But both of us were coming into a new county and trusting God with complete obedience. And I thank you for trusting me because I still don't know what I'm doing. And some days I just look around and I'm sitting there going, man, I see what's in some of you guys. The potential if you just reach out and trust God in a way that can challenge you to open up your heart to change what you care about and run this life with the zeal or passion that it takes to brew a cup of tea and pass it around for all to share. Because when you do that, you're loving your neighbor. People look inwardly and they see who's your king because it looks different. And so there's my challenge. There's my challenge this week. Is he the king of your heart? Or is it just a song? So Father, man, we thank you for this morning. I thank you more importantly for friends like my Rhonda. And I also thank you for friends who have just gone before us and, and done some amazing things. And, and we're, just, we're just following in their footsteps, but we're following you, Father. And God, I just pray right now that, that you are the king of our hearts. And if this is new to some people, man, I just pray you prick the heart today and allow them to understand the beauty that comes from being obedient. Jesus, that's all he commanded us to do is to be obedient, to move from here to there and along the way, enjoy the favor of your love. And Jesus, that's what it's about this morning, being totally obedient to your word, to your spirit and your love. And I pray that in your name, amen. Just stand and sing this song with us.